Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hope Solo Speaks. I'm Hope. Thank you for joining me on this journey. This show breaks barriers, speaks truth, shares life experiences, and opens eyes. I've always said silence never changed the world. When I decided to do this podcast, it was of the utmost importance to me to provide a platform that creates conversation, forces us to look inwardly at ourselves, and to create a show that attempts to understand sensitive subjects without criticism or judgment. I promised my listeners a provocative show, an honest show, a show where I will make mistakes and where I will learn alongside my audience, a show that will push me in my thought processes and in my politics. So tackling transgender athletes in sport on this podcast was something I felt the need to do with full understanding that this is a topic that is very sensitive and could upset people. It shouldn't. This is an inclusive show where all intelligent opinions are deeply appreciated. Leah Thomas became the first transgender athlete to win an NCAA championship. Leah won in the Division I 500 freestyle. She also finished fifth and eighth, respectively, in her other two events. The debate about transgender athletes in sport is now an issue that has gone way beyond just sports and has moved into politics. In the last two years, 11 Republican-led state legislatures have passed bills preventing transgender kids in K-12 schools from competing on teams that match their gender identity and more states are looking to do the same. As I researched this topic, I looked up the IOC hearing with Castor Semenya. I read articles from professors and spoke to men and women on both sides of this topic. I heard time and time again that this is a fraud on the public, that there is no fairness for women's sports, that it has destroyed women's athletics, that it is undermining the integrity of competition, and that it erases 30 years of work in regards to Title IX. I have always been a massive competitor when it comes to my desire to win. I have never cheated, and I couldn't stand it when a teammate left the line early during fitness tests. And trust me, the same players always did, and these same players knew they were cheating, and they still chose to do so. It made me furious. I would yell at our coaching staff and at the players. Integrity fairness, and competition are staples of mine. Sports, as we have already covered in the previous episodes, encompasses many aspects of life. I have looked back and asked myself, what were some of the best examples of true integrity and character that came out of participating in youth and collegiate sports? It is clear to me that being on a team allows our impressionable youth to learn respect for others no matter where one comes from. It allows our youth to learn what it means to work as a team and to also be held accountable to your peers. Yes, I love to compete and to win. But when I look back at those influential years of mine, I realized that sports were really about self-confidence, were about inclusiveness, hard work, and were about respect towards others. It is clear to me that if we take those lessons away from anybody, it will not make sport better, and it certainly won't make humanity better either. Removing transgender women from competing in sports opens a massive door for women to be unfairly judged on what a man or woman should look like, how a man or woman should be in their body makeup and physical attributes and appearance. And this 
has the potential to take us down a road where female athletes are being measured, tested, poked, and prodded in inexcusable and unethical ways. Now, the NCAA has deferred the issue. Many people are saying that they are washing their hands of this controversial issue. But perhaps there simply is not enough science behind excluding transgender men or women in sport. Maybe we all need to be taking a few steps back before changing laws, before making such harsh comments towards an athlete like Leah Thomas or any transgender athlete. Trust me, I have been careful and diligent to fully understand this topic, and quite honestly, I wasn't sure how I would feel. It has forced me to think back to all of my experiences as an athlete, and I had many conversations with my mom, who used to be a lifelong Republican and who is 70 years old. I told my mom the story when gay marriage became legal on the national level. We were at the World Cup in Canada when this historic moment took place. I used to be the first for our breakfast, as I'm not a very social person, especially in the morning. And Abby Wambach, a complete extrovert, was also early for breakfast. So we would meet and discuss the daily events pretty regularly. That particular morning, I came down quite emotional. I was filled with joy and hope for humanity. A person can now fall in love and marry whom they choose, regardless of gender. Well, Abby didn't have a clue what I was talking about. It made me actually quite sad that I seemed to care more about the subject matter than she did as a gay woman. My disappointment in Abby stuck with me. And by the end of the tournament, she was seen kissing her then wife and she became the image for gay athletes and their right to marry. I had to laugh at the irony of it all. Abby played the role quite well, acting like she fought alongside this court case when in reality, she hadn't a clue. I tell this story to show that my heart and my mind has always been open towards others. I believe in kindness and in empathy and love and respect for others. And I despise how divisive our country is. Where the hell is the empathy anymore? I grew up in a strong Christian home from a long line of leaders in our church. I was taught love and kindness. Where are the loving Christians, I have to ask myself at times. They're Christians with more empathy and less judgment. The hate that I have witnessed towards the transgender community from many Christians is the opposite of the example that was set forth by Jesus Christ. My mom and I watched the documentary Texas Strong together about a young transgender girl. Again, my mom was a lifelong Republican married to an avid hunter whose family was from Arkansas. She blamed the parents for allowing their young kids to make such decisions at such a young age. This documentary showed the struggles and the love of a beautiful parent wanting only the best for her young child. My mom and I cried and we recognized that there is just so much that we do not know or understand. If men are speaking for many of us women athletes, then let it be known that this former female athlete does not feel threatened by the transgender competitors. And to hear more from a more current female athlete, a woman who is a silver medalist in the Tokyo Olympics and who competed against Leah Thomas herself, is also unthreatened, supportive, kind, and she is a competitor. She finished third in the NCAA 500 meter freestyle, and she wrote an opinion piece in Newsweek called, quote, why I am proud to support trans athletes like Leah Thomas. I will let Erica share her story Please welcome Erica Sullivan. All right, Erica, we're going to get right down to it. So bear with me here. Um, I'm not 
a journalist. I just want to have a conversation. I want to be educated. I want to understand. I want to be enlightened. So I'm incredibly honored to have you on the show because I think that you're a, you know, a great athlete, a strong woman who has the ability to educate all of us. So like I said, thank you. Thank you for having me and I'll try to do the best I can. And uh, well, congrats on being a silver medalist in the Olympics, my fellow Olympian. Thank you. That was, it still doesn't feel real sometimes, but it's crazy. Yeah, I bet. It wasn't really that long ago. Feels like it's like years ago, but also yesterday at the same time. It was the first ever 1500 women's event in swimming, right? Mm-hmm. Why is that? Um, I think there's just this like, stereotype years prior that like we couldn't do the hardest event within the sport we couldn't do the 1500 meter freestyle so they gave us the 800 instead and the men got to do the 1500 and I think Katie Ledecky was the reason why you know just being such a high profile distance swimmer she was really able to push the agenda for um, female distance swimming and I think I was just lucky enough to be able to do that event with her for the first time and you know, just prove to people that, yeah, just because we are a woman doesn't mean that we can't swim the 1500. I mean, it's pretty historical that you're one of the first women to ever compete at, at that distance. Um, and obviously you have proven, other women have proven that, that we can do much more than what, uh, people try to say, put rules around us and put us into a box. Do you think that that is rooted in the idea that women lacked the strength and the endurance to do so? I mean, yeah, I feel like when you think of like female in sports, not even in just swimming, but like soccer and so many other sports, people think that just because you are a man or they are a man, like they are automatically above us and that they are more elite than us, which honestly, being in a co-ed sport a lot of the time and training with a lot of boys, you learn that sometimes the girls are tougher than the boys. You know, well, uh, I want to hear more about your story. I know that you have an incredible story. Obviously, I just said that you won the silver in the 1500, one of the first women to ever swim in this event, which is absolutely incredible. Do you mind telling us a little bit more about your journey to get to the Olympics and to be a swimmer and kind of the obstacles that you had to overcome? Yeah, there are there are quite a bit of obstacles. So they announced that the 1500 meter freestyle was going to be an event in around 2017. And, um, luckily I kind of, me and my coach saw that as an opportunity to see what we can do. But, um, during that time I was 16, um, my dad had passed away. I had come out as gay, um, really struggled with the, the, the downfall of all of that. Um, really struggled with mental health there for a few months, uh, had to get therapy and really just had to go on this like self-discovery journey, not even through my sexuality, but in self-acceptance, but also just being gentle on myself with how much my mind can handle and realizing that the change I went through was traumatic for me and like processing it properly. And that took some time and it took a long time to get there. But once I did um, training the whole time, um, my swimming just started to improve. And um, I deferred college for three years to try to see how far I could fully focus on my swimming for. And luckily it paid off and I made my first Olympic team in 2021. You know, I lost my father as well prior to my, my first major event uh, in the 2000, uh, 2007 World Cup. I lost my father a couple months prior to competing. Um, 
And so, you know, I, I know what that's like. It's, it's, it's not very easy to overcome, of course, um, but it looks like you have a great team of people you were able to, able to overcome. That's amazing. I mean, yeah, you, you should be very proud. Um, obviously, you know, coming out as, as, you know, being a, a gay Olympian, um, that, that is probably another obstacle that you had to overcome, especially being in Texas. Do you find yourself uh, battling naysayers and, and hate, or do you find yourself with a lot of support? Honestly, everyone in my circle has been very supportive, um, especially in Texas, just being in the city of Austin and like on a college campus helps a lot. Um, like you said, I think we really are in a new generation where it's a lot more accepting and everything is a lot more fluid. Um, nothing is really black and white. And so everything, everything has been good. I feel like the most amount of hate that I've gotten regarding my sexuality was prior to the Olympics. And those were people on the internet. Um, I feel like the internet is where you see the furthest side of both spectrums. And so they came out of the woodwork before my race, uh, pretty much wishing ill upon me and hoping that uh, I would represent the U.S. poorly. But clearly, you know, clearly you did not represent the United States. poorly. <laughs> you just try to like brush it off and just don't let it get to you and uh, know that, you know, just do what you can. Yeah, of course. And I know that we all try to brush off the hate and social media can be, you know, taxing to our mental health. Um, but, you know, we're going to we're going to eventually move this conversation on to your competitor, Leah Thomas, and what she's gone through with the hate and the vitriol hate that you see both on social media, but also in public on, you know, major news networks. And I, I'd like to eventually uh, go into that conversation before I do so, I want to ask you why you felt compelled to write the piece in Newsweek um, in support of, of Leah Thomas. Yeah, I mean, to be completely honest, um, I feel like I'm getting painted as a hero here, but I was actually not going to do it. Um, I felt like we got Leah in the meet. It was guaranteed that she was going to compete. So I didn't really see the point of fighting the narrative more. Um, I'm very much a person where um, I will stand up for someone if like hatred is very relevant. But prior to the meet, like it didn't seem like it was going to explode, at least to the level that it did. And that was just my fault of uneducating of uneducation. But um, no, I'm walking home um, from campus with my girlfriend and um, it's around a 30 minute walk and we're talking and I just tell her, yeah, I was. Um, I was asked to write a piece telling my thoughts and I, I told her, I said, I don't, I don't think I'll do it. I don't think I really want to do it. I kind of want to focus on my training right now. And, um, she, she kind of talked to me and was just like, um, well, I feel she just pretty much added the perspective that while it wouldn't impact me or take too much time out of my day to write something, the support that Leah would get from the swim community or people who don't really have an opinion from another athlete she said you can really really like make an impact in leah's life and leah's experience at this will meet and she said you know they're probably coming to you right now because they need someone of um relevance or someone reputable to be able to share like a positive opinion and she said like like come on like i think 
like she said you just like you promote this like self-love and she's like she just really just reminded me of my values and I think at that point she really pushed me to write this article well it it was a beautiful article and it it did show a lot of outwardly love not just self-love but love for others and acceptance of others did you have teammates who felt differently when you wrote this article and uh, that you that you knew about on either the USA team or on your college team or in collegiate sports in general that you're competing against, um, and were they vocal about it? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, the conversation of Leah Thomas actually got brought up at our friendsgiving for the first time um, on our swim team little bonding dinner, and um, a lot of people, you know, looked to me for my opinion just being in the same event as her and, um, you know, being openly gay. And even though we're in different communities overall, we're in the same, um, same overarching community, we could say. And so a lot of people looked at me and they just asked me, you know, what are your thoughts about this? And even though I do have teammates that disagree with me, I mean, I don't value their opinion less. I'm, I think they're subjected to their own opinion just as much as I'm subjected to mine. and. Honestly, with arguments like these, when people are pretty much set in stone on their arguments, it's kind of hard to change their minds. Um, so instead of really supporting whether trans swimmers should be able to swim or not, I think the discussion within the team kind of changed into, at the end of the day, Leah is a person first, athlete second. And regardless of how you rank in sport, getting treated like this as a decent human being is just not a good, not a good thing to put in the world. And I think that's where we were all kind of in agreement of, of sure, you know, trans rights in sport is a very touchy subject. It's very taboo. We all have different opinions, but we can all agree that Leah does deserve to be treated with some decency and respect, which unfortunately she did not get during the swim meet. Well, I think in this day and age with the political times, it's hard for many of us to agree on on anything, to be honest. And so for your team to get together on your friends giving and uh, for many of you to come to the common agreement that she's a human being first and she should be treated like a human being. I think that goes right into the hands of of human rights, you know, and and, uh, we can talk about transgender rights, but. It also comes down to what I think is human rights. Um, the big argument for the anti kind of Leah Thomas side is that this is the end of women's sports as we know it, or that there's no more fair play in women's sports and there's no more decency and there's no more integrity of women's sports. I've also heard arguments about um, having transgender um, women participating in, in women's sports is erasing 30 years of work for what women have done. Uh, how do you, how do you see it? And, and what would you say to comments like this? I mean, first of all, I don't think people understand how rare it is for any athlete to get up on a division one national level stage or an Olympic stage as it is like, me and my group, my roommates who are all collegiate athletes at Tokyo, that was six of us. That's a, we were 0.1% at the top of our sport. On top of that, you take a minority like transgen, transgender athletes. That just minimizes the percentage even more. 
So just to start off, it's just super rare to have a transgender athlete to gain this sort of monumental success. It's rare for cisgender female athletes to have this kind of monumental success. And so I feel like that's just a starting argument right off the gates. And um, also in terms of all these people arguing that, you know, Leah is ruining women's sports, this and that. I feel like they're very uneducated in the world of swimming. Um, They have never, I would argue they've never even seen uh, an Olympic race other than maybe Michael Phelps, if even that, like. They definitely have not taken time out of their day to watch collegiate swimming, female collegiate swimming. And they feel like they were thrown into this fight where they know absolutely nothing about. So that's always a little frustrating. Yeah, suddenly everybody cares about women's sports, right? And especially women's swimming. Where were you in the last decade or two decades? So true. <laughs> they, uh, If you ask them to name an Olympian on the 2016 Rio team, they probably could not tell you. A lot of it is for their own political agendas. I, exactly. I think that's pretty clear to, to many of us. Now, Le- Leah, she followed all of the rules and guidelines, um, yet there's still so much like vitriol hate for her. And she did nothing wrong. She didn't break any laws, any rules. Um, she wasn't cheating. Why do you think there's so much hate? Honestly, it's just ignorance. It's ignorance and entitlement, whether people want to admit it or not. I mean, people just don't, have the ability of looking at someone just because they're different. And I think, you know, this would be, I could be in Leah's situation if I was a relevant swimmer and I was openly gay 20, 30 years ago. I think it's the fact that it's not normalized enough for these people and they're not, some people aren't really accepted until accepting of something until it's normalized, which isn't a good thing because that's not really how status and the stigma of something changes. But I would like to, I like to be hopeful that it comes out of fear and uneducation. And I don't know, I wish a part of me is all these, even the athletes who are in the meet, if they were all, you know, super anti-Leah, I wish that maybe, you know, they could have maybe had a time to have a conversation with Leah or shake Leah's hand, or say hi to Leah, and kind of personify her, and see that she is, at the end of the day, a human being, and a female, rather than having the arrogance that she's still a man. I don't think people understand that even to get put on hormone therapy, the process of proving yourself, um, to be able to withstand that is such a long, taxing process. I think so many people think that, you know, Leah, who are on the wrong side of the argument, um, that Leah wanted to transition to ruin women's sports and just walked into a drugstore and got her, got her HRT and just started the process. And that's just so much arrogance because I feel like if they took the time to educate themselves, they would know that, you know, getting put on hormone therapy is a very, very, very long process. So when you say educate themselves, I'm, I'm one of those people that needs to be further educated. And I want to see, you know, I support the transgender community. I support the LGBTQ community. I always have. But this is a topic that is confusing for, for many of us, right? I mean, we all want to compete as athletes and I believe in competition and I want to win. <laughs> and I, I, I want to know how to get educated more. I mean, where 
are the science-based facts. Nobody actually understands that Leah in her other two events actually finished fifth and eighth. So she's not incredibly dominating like Fox News and everybody else wants to say, right? They're portraying her as this complete dominant athlete in swimming. Um, but, but really she's working hard and she's competing like the rest of every other young athlete. So I guess what I'm saying is one, how do we educate ourselves? Cause I need help to get educated. And two, is she a dominant force? Do you see her as a dominant force in the pool? In terms of education, I think it's, I think it's reading on both perspectives. Um, I'm very openly liberal. Um, I sway very towards the left when it comes to my policies, just being Asian American and growing up in a city and being gay. And so I have often found myself only reading media that swung in a direction that favored me. And luckily not being in school for three years, I had a lot of time to self-educate and grow hobbies. And I made it a lasting goal of mine to make sure, you know, to read some things of the other perspective, even though it's kind of a hard pill to swallow. And it's definitely a test of social values that I'm against sometimes. But I feel like sometimes people who are on the other side are just, or on any side for that matter, is something that benefits them. I feel like a lot of large, you know, business name corporations tend to lean towards the right because financially it helps them. And a lot of minorities start to lean towards the left because the values and social structure and the social fights tend to you know, prioritize them. And so I think it's just coming from being able to look at yourself in other people's shoes. And I think reading articles from both sides and maybe, you know, some NPR or some books from transgender doctors, researchers, um, and just really self-educating yourself in that way. And in terms of Leah Thomas and if she's, you know, dominating women's sports altogether, I feel like that was the biggest like my photo was taken out of context on the podium. And um, even then I would go to the point to argue that that photo wasn't the most outrageous like news headline that I had seen all weekend. I think everyone printing Leah as this unstoppable force is unbelievably uneducated in the world of swimming. Leah was nowhere near the American record held by Katie Ledecky wasn't even close. And in terms of her time, she went a 4.33. That is around 0.2 faster than my all-time best time. So I don't think people understand that I didn't perform my best. Um, You know, Emma, I don't know Emma's times off the top of my head, but she she most definitely has room for improvement. Leah won by around a second in the 500 freestyle, which I don't think people understand is not that big of a margin at all. And I would honestly even go as far to say that not everyone even watched the race because if they watched the race, they would realize that Leah was not even the first, was the winner for the first 300. I led the first 300. And I just died. Um, so I think I think it's just so much arrogance all around that people are just believing a narrative that they want to believe in. 
Yeah. And also, once again, I always say this on every episode, it goes to uh, the, the public perception put on by the media, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's pushed by whatever agenda certain media want, wants to push. And that's my problem is we need the facts. We need the complete facts. We need the entire story so that individuals can make up their own minds. But it, it doesn't seem that that is the complete story that's being told, especially with Leah Thomas and, and what's going on in your sport. What do you think the real threat to women's sports are? If you don't think it's the transgender community, like many people are saying. I mean, I feel like us as female athletes are fighting a narrative every single day against male sports. I mean, yeah, Title IX is a thing, but even in the last few, even in the last year, we saw that the women's NC2As and the men's NC2As facilities were two very different levels of funding and levels of equipment provided. And even a few months ago, the national women's soccer team won their payout case for uh, unequal pay. I wouldn't say they won, they settled. Okay, yes, fair. Yes, I agree with that. They did settle. But, you know, it's just these, I feel like women athletes and female athletes are fighting every single day for just something that male athletes take for granted. For them, it's a standard. Um, And, you know, even even in terms of harassment with, you know, Larry Nassar and USA Women's Gymnastics, this isn't an issue that is, within one sport. It's not just swimming. It transcends all sports. Female athletes in every single sport can point to something that has happened within their sports that most male athletes don't experience. And I think that is something that we need to fight. It's not just about swimming. It's not just about the Olympic sports. It's not about collegiate sports. It's about even sports broadcasting. Um, Even though so many people are starting to show interest in women's sports, it is broadcasted 10% 10% of what, you know, all male sports are broadcasted with. Well, it used to be 2%, I think. So we've gone up about 8% and it's still not good enough. And that is my problem when it comes to equal pay and the settlement that you just referenced, that there are small, you know, in- increases, but it's still not according to equal pay into the laws and it's still not equal. So we're still fighting against a system and we're going to be fighting against it for a long time if we're only making incremental changes. And I think as women, we're supposed to be happy with incremental changes because at least it's a little bit of a step in the right direction. But for me, it's it's not good enough and it's not fast enough, to be honest. We need more. And I think worrying about the Leah Thomas situation is, to be completely honest, the least of everyone's worries. And if these people want to save women's sports like they say they do, they should definitely gear their attention towards something else. So I wanted to turn my attention a little bit to Caitlyn Jenner because uh, uh, she has been very vocal about, well, she made comments about even the back and shoulder size of Leah, um, stating that, you know, it, it, she looked stronger than a lot of other swimmers. And it made me mad because I started to think back and I know, you know, a, a ton of female athletes, obviously not just soccer players, but I have been told when I was lifting weights, you know, that I did not look like a female athlete, that I had too much testosterone, that I had too much muscle, that I shouldn't wear a tank top. It didn't look sexy because my muscles were popping out. I gained confidence in my body as an athlete. Um, but I saw a lot of other women who had a lot stronger shoulder muscles <laughs> than me. And so when you have someone like Caitlyn Jenner saying, well, she doesn't look 
like a female because of her shoulder size and her back muscles. That pisses me off because now we're starting to put every female into this tiny box where they have to fit. And it's not based off of science. It's not based off of anything other than making a judgment from the outside. And so to see someone like Caitlyn Jenner, somebody that I have a good relationship with, somebody that I that I respect, um, that that hurt me because I'm looking at Caitlyn and saying, you know what you're doing? You're you're only making judgments on these women's bodies. And you're saying that that woman's body shouldn't be fitting to what a woman's body should be. And I'm afraid that we're going down a slippery slope once we start saying, well, you know, do they have too much testosterone? At what point are they going to start, you know, doing what the IOC did, the International Olympic Committee, where they start to have doctors wanting to measure the, you know, the, the, the private parts of women athletes and no doctor wanted to partake in it. Nobody wanted to participate because they didn't want to be on the wrong side of history. So here we are where more research needs to be done. We need more data, but nobody wants to get their hands dirty because nobody wants to really put women in that position. Everybody feels like something's not quite right here. And I, I was really upset uh, hearing her comments. Do you, do you fear the direction that we may be headed if we start to test women in that way? Or are you hopeful? Yeah, I mean, even in terms of just like body type within women in sports, I think another narrative that people are afraid to talk about all the time is the common out the the how common it is um, to see eating disorders in the in the sport of female athletes due to this narrative that our bodies are supposed to look a certain way, and if you don't look a certain way or weigh a certain way, you can't perform to the level that you need to. Um, and that's something that we still experience. That's a fight that, like you said, we're probably going to be fighting for years to come, but, um, no, I don't think people understand the dangers in that. Um, just being an athlete who was brought up in a very competitive sports environment, you know, um, I don't think, I think people don't understand that if you start to instill that narrative, it will get instilled in children who start at 14, the minute they start to show potential in the sport. And that I think when people think of like making it fair by, you know, measuring certain uh, statistics like weights or testosterone level, people think it's adult women who are mentally confident enough to handle that news. But I don't think people understand the developmental side of sports where that research and those statistics start from at a very young, influential age. And that's the part that scares me. Oh, well, I think we have a long ways to go. You know, I admittedly have to educate myself more in regards to this topic. Um, I've read a lot about you. I've read a lot of articles. I, I've spoke to some professors at USC. I'm doing my best. I want to keep an open mind. I want to be loving. I want to be um, accepting. Um, I want, you know, it, I, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm looking at both sides of things, you know, and and some of what I'm seeing, it just really makes me feel like even good Christians are just showing so much hate. And that's what makes me mad as well. You know, I come from this really strong Christian family, um, grew up in the church. And what I'm seeing is just complete judgment. And that's not what we were taught to do as good Christians. So I'm struggling with this topic quite a bit. I have friends on both sides. I have family members on both sides. Um, and I just want to do my best to keep an open mind, help to educate others. And, and that's really why I wanted you 
on the show today. And hopefully we can get people to just perk up a little bit, you know, think twice before making judgments. And that's why it really is my honor to have you. You're an intelligent young woman who's been through a lot. You're continuing to you know, live your life and your journey in college. And I wish you nothing but the best. Do you have aspirations to, to be in the next Olympics? Yes, I'm going to go for 2024. That's um, what I like to hear. Paris. And then uh, we're going to do hard quit, hard retirement, uh, focus on school for a little bit. Don't be that athlete that retires for uh, 22 days. Please. Don't plan on it. Don't worry. <laughs> no plans on it. Awesome. Erica, thank you so much. I know you have a class to get to, but thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. This has been such an amazing honor. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Hope Solo Speaks is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. The producers are Andrew Emmer and Cliff Augustin. Marissa Rivas is the acting director of sports podcasts for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. Sirius XM Podcasts.